Okay, hello and welcome back to the Australian Revolutionists. Um, hope you are well. Uh, today's uh, episode, uh, well, I guess this week, um, I want to talk about a movie um, that if um, you guys follow me on Instagram, you've seen I shared called Planet of the Humans. Um, it was a movie from the uh, from the f- filmmaker Michael Moore. Um, he executive produced it, but it was directed by Jeff Gibbs um, and co-produced, I think, by uh, Ozzy Zenher. Um, and it was a really interesting critique on climate, uh, on the environmental movement, and the solutions that have been proposed in renewable energy. Um, you know, I, I think um, you know James and I both maybe um, feel um, that. You know, it was quite depressing um, after watching it. So I thought it'd be a good topic this week to talk about because um, I think there was there's a lot to talk about in terms of what it actually said and what how we how we should interpret it. So you know, I'm sure many people who know me personally know that I'm definitely on, on the side of uh, rapidly shifting away from fossil fuels, um, and I you know my thoughts always do tend to be distant from the mainstream opinion, but I really just want today's episode to be an open discussion on the topic of climate change and renewables, because it made the film made me remember that, um, you know, how much I, no matter how much I might believe in something or, you know, what side I might take is that I don't want to ever be at a point where I can't listen to others or I couldn't entertain the thought of uh, another perspective that's contradictory to my own. Um, so I think today's will be, you know, I had a lot of questions, so I don't, um, I'll try and provide a bit of um, evidence here today and we'll talk about a lot of solutions and what it got right and wrong, but it's going to be largely, I think, just um, leaving people with some questions and some things to think about. Um, so I hopefully, I hope that, you know, I guess today will help you ask some of, some of the same or similar questions on what we discuss just to note, I guess today's episode isn't going to talk about the science behind climate change um, and why scientists have said that we need to rapidly shift away from fossil fuels. Uh, I'm sure we'll definitely do another episode on it in the future, um, but we're going to come from the perspective today that, you know, uh, from the consensus of the scientific community um, and, and what they have said is the necessity to transition away from polluting energy systems and how we get to, the, to that goal. So that's kind of the perspective that we're going to bring today. Um, I brought on, as you hear me, uh, heard me say before, uh, my, my collaborator and friend, James Hales, um, back to discuss this film. He's, uh, he's watched it as well. So how are you, James? You, yeah, have you, there. you good? Yep. Have you got your um, Windex and um, disinfectant around you and ready? Yeah, no, it's all good to go, you know. Um, got the vodka as well to in- internally clean yep. myself as well. But no, we're doing well, fine here. <laughs> that's good, washing it down. Okay, off, we're doing it for a Zoom as well. I see you got the isolation beard going as well. Yeah, I got the beard <laughs> growing out. Uh, yeah. It's a bit messy, to be honest. Um, be yeah, it's uh, it's. I guess it's a good time because you know, not as people, not as many people um, are going to see this. So less interaction. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I thought what would be best today is to kind of. Um, obviously, it's going to be a bit of a spoiler, um, but I understand some people probably aren't going to want to watch this anyway because it is you know depressing, or they just might not be interested. So we're going to recap. Yeah the main points um, of the film just for those who don't want to watch it or who already have and just to, you know, get on the same page before we start talking about it. Then I think um, what I thought would be best was talking about what we can take away from the movie and then what uh, what we should be sceptical of or what we should be asking and, and double-checking on yep. what they kind of said. And then I think we want to bring it back. James had a great idea to bring it back to Australia and what we can do um, in Australia and what it means really for our country. 
without further ado, uh, let's get into it. So James and I probably just jump interchangeably jump yep. in here in recapping it because um, I watched it uh, at the start of the week and James has just freshly watched it. So um, yeah, bear with us as we as we get through um, the recap. So the first point. Um, I remember from the film that it was making, um, this was a big point, was that renewables uh, like solar and wind are made with the mining of materials um, such as quartz um, and, other nut- and other natural resources. And they were saying that it requires so much fossil fuel um, use in the production of making renewables. Um, and it was kind of inferring that, you know, you know, is all of the fossil fuel energy being used really worth the production of switching over? Um, to 100% renewables in the form of solar um, and wind. I guess the film, just prefacing it with the film, really didn't touch on, you know, ocean, nuclear, hydro energy. It, it mainly focused on solar, wind, biomass and natural gas. Um, is that, is that, that's from your memory, James, as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a big critique. Um, and as I said, we'll get to, to these points um, further on in the episode of, of what we think about this, but just laying it out. The second major point in the film, which was probably, as James was talking about earlier when we were talking, is this kind of felt like a second act, like it was a, or different even movie, but it talked about biomass as being used and promoted by major environmental groups, such as the Sierra Club and even Bill McKibben, um, who's a massive environmental um, uh, figure in America. The main source of biomass in the film that was presented and is kind of widely um, used in the industry is wood. Um, which contributes in large part um, to deforestation, especially in Brazil. So, you know, for those who may not be familiar, but uh, biomass is, is the burning of um, different materials, but we're talking about wood here and wood chips. Um, and then from that, um, the chemical energy in biomass is released as heat, then that heat is converted to energy. Um, so they're, they're, they had a massive critique on, on that, uh, on biomass as an energy source, as it not re- it's being in terms of, it doesn't uh, emit carbon, but its impact on the planet is still quite large. Is that what you took away, James? Yeah, is that, did I, that's exactly what I took away as well. It was, um, quite daunting. I think, yeah, it was quite, yeah, that was quite daunting to see that, um, a lot of industry was leaning towards this and it's not really, uh, renewable. Uh, Okay, so moving on. So that was the second point. Uh, Moving to the third point. They talked about the renewable energy in mainly, again, solar and wind, that the efficiency isn't great um, and that many of the companies, I'm sure you've heard Apple and all of these other companies around the world who claim that they are powered by 100% renewables now, they, uh, they, they supposedly looked into that and they said that they actually are still plugged into the fossil fuel grid or, you know, to the main power grid, which is, yep. which is fueled by fossil fuels. So that was another uh, big point of the film um, and that was quite... Well, th- I think that gets shown early um, in, I think it's the first 30 minutes of the film, which was, you know, the, I forget the car maker, but, you know, they, they could try and show off this new, you know, fully green energy renewable car. Uh, General Motors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, General Motors. And they got the, um, basically the charging dock at the front. And, you know, it's just him needing to ask a couple of simple questions to find out that that this isn't powered by, well, the, the actual charging dock isn't powered by renewable energy. You know, you hear all the, the um, uh, all the equipment that's in the car, and you go, oh, wow, amazing. And then he just asks a simple question, oh, okay, so where's the power come from to uh, charge the dock? And it's like, oh, just, you know, from the power grid. Then it's like, oh, so what's the power grid running on? You know, it's biofuels and stuff like that. And then it, he, you know, actually finds the supplier of the gas company at the same um, event and then goes to the solar farm, which is the first one I think that was built in the uh, city or town there. And, you know, it's a massive solar farm, but could only power about 50 houses hmm. if it wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, no. And that was, that was a big part of that. And that for me watching that, I think, and you too, probably similar is like, 
yeah, it was it was that argument saying, well, uh, for me, I was like, um, you, you know, these these groups they shouldn't claim so wholly that that it's so good when it was still not real. It was still being like it's great that it's that it's not going to exhaust anything from the exhaust pipe, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, you know, in terms of its overall impact. Yeah, that was an interesting kind of um, point that they made there. And as you said, it was through that, you know, interviewing people who were who were at that event. It's funny, but I, I don't understand. And like, it was kind of throughout the film where he actually goes to the expos and stuff like that, that after renewable energy, how these companies come out and they plant the renewable flag, you know, 100% renewable. But when you actually start speaking about the specs and the specifics, like, no, this isn't fully renewable. Like, this is what we need to run off this. This is what that needs. And it's crazy. It is. And you're right. I think it's become a marketing point for companies now to, to advocate for this green energy. And like, I don't, I think a lot of people who are probably, you know, disagree and we'll get into this further, but you know, disagree about renewables and the transition. Um, I I think arguably, and and I guess just objectively, they need to realize that this is where, where it's shifting um, regardless of what, what you, Mm. um, what, what that opinion is like, and that's, and it's actually shifting in a, in a dangerous way in terms of it's not actually being, I guess, thoroughly checked, as you said. So I guess uh, moving on to another uh, major point of the film um, was that the major environmental groups such as Sierra Club, um, which ran its Beyond Coal campaign, um, and supposedly 350 um, were being guided by industry looking to profit from renewable energy. Um, So we saw donors such as Michael Bloomberg, um, they were touted as infiltrating these groups and getting them to sell out to non-renewable sources such as biomass and natural gas. Um, I don't know if you remember, James, that scene where they were saying that, um, you know, they were building these solar plants or I, th- I think it was solar, it was obviously solar wind, and they were saying that um, they had a natural gas plant as like behind the scenes that was actually being um, yes, carrying a lot um, of it. The, um, because they're talking about basically the connection with the coal and it was just what, just a train line down. Um, but yeah, no, no, I do remember that scene. Yeah. And that was really interesting for me. I just thought, well, you know, to see that they could say that, that these things and, um, you know, like the, the advocating on the, on the surface that it was going towards um, solar and renewable. And then, yeah, like there was still natural gas plants on these actual solar farms. Well, yeah. And, it just, know. it just shows the unholy alliance between, you know, green groups and green lobbyists, uh, lobbyist groups, um, you know, getting in bed with fat cat billionaires. So I guess, and then kind of we'll wrap it up here, I think, and, and maybe I've missed, I'll, I'll throw to James at the end, but um, the fifth point um, that kind of I feel like they were trying to make is I guess they ultimately, um, after presenting all of the critiques on the renewable energy and on environmental groups uh, being sucked into the profit and big business motives, um, they said that the main problem, I, I guess they kind of left us with the main problem was our consumption habits and overpopulation at the end of the film, it didn't really suggest any solutions. Um, and I guess I just wanted to give people the main quote from the director of this film was infinite growth on a finite planet is suicide. What, what was your, is that a, uh, an accurate? The, I, like you said, when it kind of leaves us on that, you know, it kind of felt like it was very black and white. Um, it kind of brings you on this journey and it kind of felt, you know, when you are watching the thing, you kind of felt like you're not being led to actually, you know, actively think on the topic yeah um, but when it kind of just leaves you at this cliffhanger there are solutions to this um definitely but infinite growth on a finite planet is suicide basically just refers to how much we are consuming as a country how much we are taking from this planet i you, you know what in all honesty i think it is 
somewhat accurate. The the way we address our consumption problems is, you know, what we can discuss later. But yeah, no, I think I think that's a pretty accurate quote. Yeah, and I yeah, I, I think you're you're right. There's there's something to take away from that quote. Um, it's not completely um, and and like I mean, their defense was that they didn't want to finish the film and give people this. They want to you know give people all these solutions. They want to get get people thinking and. I mean, I always struggle with that personally because I, I um, you know, life is an absolute. So this was a type of film I feel like had some some good things and some bad things. And I think a lot of people, you know, similar to myself, do fall into that trap of wanting to it, wanting it to be a completely uh, great film to represent or a completely, you know, wrong film. And I, I don't think yeah. this really fell into those categories. I just want to read out this quote from Brian Kahn, who did a review on the um, movie, just to summarize this, um, and then we'll get into what you know the the positives and negatives. He was saying that um, uh, we are on the brink of extinction and have been sold a damaged bill of goods about all forms of renewable energy by environmental groups motivated by profit. Essentially, the argument is we're all dirty and the stain will never come out, no matter how hard we try. And I just thought that was interesting quote to end on and in terms of thinking about what this movie kind of left you with. Um, do you yeah. think that that's accurate, James? I, I... Well, yeah, I, and I think, you know, in somewhat um, in ways it does try to address, you know, the nature of capitalism and the nature of how we think and how we are greedy. Um, no, I think that that's really well put. Um, do you feel like there are underlying tones um, of, you know, trying to address the facts of capitalism? Yes, yeah. And, and I think like actually... Yeah, I think well, we'll jump straight into it. Like, and this is one of the first points I had. Um, so I guess we'll jump into what was good to take away from this film. And the first thing that came to mind is exactly what you're talking about. Is that um, my thought was that the exhaustive and extractive industries, so you know, coal, fossil fuels, yeah. and you know, the nature of our consumption. So big companies that have promoted um, this overconsumption of products that aren't necessarily uh, essential to our survival, those uh, exhaustive and extractive in- industries that brought us to the point of destruction on our planet that we're currently at, they can't be put in charge of our way out of this crisis. That's that's the point I got. And I think that was something that's really relevant um, and good to take away. Um, what did you, is that kind of where you were thinking and going with that point? Like, is that, is what were your thoughts on that? Um, the economic system, I guess, underpinning it and that type of comment. Well, I think people think that they have a corporate responsibility to take charge of such a crisis like this. Now, what we are doing is that we're not actually, um, not monitoring, but we're not regulating their activity and actually how well this actually, we're kind of leaving this whole operation to their hands. They take it as they think. They want to slap as many labels onto it as they want, and which they have been doing, which shows in the documentary as well, and they are getting away with it. Now, it was quite interesting uh, in contrast, when we get to the bit of the documentary where they want to show you basically the growth in uh, population and the growth in consumption as a period of time. Now, where you can see the chart make a massive dip up was probably during the timeline of the uh, the Industrial Revolution. And, you know, it's kind of like the birthplace of capitalism and the way basically global trade has all started and stuff like that. I think that's a really good pinpoint there and the way that we do consume as a society. I think you're, yeah, I I agree. I think, um, you know, touching on that point, people, I guess, get a little bit antsy, I think, and think, well, oh, you know, the industrial revolution brought us all the things that we appreciate today. But the thing is, we can, we can still appreciate the fact that the industrial revolution has um, participated in our growth as a population and our advancement of our species. But it's done its time and it's served us in a way that, um, you know, I think obviously there's a lot of negatives to the industrial revolution that I even t- haven't even touched on, but if you really do want to look at the positives, 
you can say that and 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 say, okay, well, it, it, it's done its job, but now that time has reached um, its end, and we really need to look at uh, another revolution um, in terms of the way we you know treat the the economic system yeah. that underpins it. Eco revolution hmm. would be good, um, but when you've had a system um, that not only is good, more but acts as a political and economical system, it's consolidated enough power that it it really makes it really stark and hard to actually address the, well, you know, not address the problem, but attack the problem. Like you said, where we need a revolution, uh, where do you think it all starts? Where do you think people stop, you know, when these um, multi-million dollar and billionaire, uh, billion dollar companies want to surrender their right to um, this power? I, well, it's a good question. And for me, I, I uh, took away from this film and, and um, you know, I don't want to blame people. Like I, I think the film really did try to take on that point that we are all at fault and look, you know, we all, ha- we do have an individual footprint in this world, but um, the interests um, and I think I've got um, a quote for someone later in the episode, yeah. but um, you know, the interests um, of a few people have really dominated and put out, put out, the, the, the planet into such a destructive position. Yeah. And I think that people are products of their environment. So capitalism and the system that it has taught us um, to desire, and I've even got the next one here is, you know, it's its incessant desire to chase profits um, at the at the expense of the planet and of human beings. You know, that has really shaped the way we think and feel um, about each other and how we consume. And I think we really, for a lot of people, they aren't seeing it as that uh, deep of a level, but I really do yeah. think we, as a communicator and probably you and I, um, we, we obviously can't be across all of the science and in, in its real big detail, but I think our role is to figure out how we can really communicate this to people in a way that they understand and that respects um, them and, and doesn't try to blame them for, uh, I guess, what, what, they could have been contributing in this time, I guess. Is that, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, no, I'm just trying to actually, I'm, I'm really think trying to tap in. Do you remember the scene where he sees the actual psychologist and basically mm. they talk about the mortality, uh, the morality of death and um, all that. I'm just trying to think what points I took away from that. I'm just really trying to think because what you were just touching on there before would have been really good to contribute. But do you, do you remember? Well, he was talking about, and I forget what he was, I think he might have been yeah. an anthropologist or something. And he was saying that, uh, he was, I think. He was, he was psychology. Okay, he was psychology. Well, yeah. I, I think he, he was saying that as um, once, I remember the quote, it was like once we um, realise that um, death, uh, once we, yeah. I guess, get into a grasp with death is inevitable and it's going to happen to all of us, anything is possible. Yeah, it was, it was a good point. And I can't remember exactly the conversation they had, but um, it was, you know, taking, a, a, I guess, a societal look at yeah. um, the impact of climate change and how we, you know, ha- consume, I guess. But people don't, I don't, I don't think people understand their responsibility that they have to not only the planet, but also to society. Touching on that where, you know, oh, I'm only going to be here for a time. It's going to be, it's going to be lifetimes before anything, you know, that I see that's going to be tangibly affecting me come out from um, climate change. So uh, addressing the issue on that point, it just makes it really hard Do because, you know, these green groups have been around for a long while and it's been groups I've been supporting. But do you feel like we need a, a bigger change, like in the fact that we need governments to push us into the right direction? Yeah, it sounds a bit authoritarian like that. But do you think that's what we need to actually get a kickstart? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I definitely believe that. Um, we, I believe that no matter how much individual uh, actions we take, it will never be enough to yeah. out, uh, outweigh the collective action that's required. And the way I look at it is like, 
you know, as we've seen during the, the coronavirus pandemic, the government um, and their actions towards controlling this have, you could be considered before this crisis, a bit authoritarian. And I think we have valued that. And I think we've understood the risk involved in that and the, and the cost benefit analysis. And I think we need yeah. to do the same with the environment. But it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, like how we brought up the coronavirus and it being authoritarian. It's the, it's the ways that, you know, these people do react in different countries. We've been, you know, in Australia, we've got a positive response by, you know, self-isolating. We haven't actually been forced into lockdown. We have been put into isolation. Um, but you've seen America, which have some states being put in lockdown. There's 10 states that, you know, are now armed protesting about the coronavirus. And they're number one in the world. With mm. cases and deaths, it's it's crazy, and they're saying I'll oh, open back up and stuff like that. I know I'm getting off topic, but yeah. yeah no. Well, it, I think it it goes to show. I think what you're trying to say is that it's mm. going to be tough because I think you're going to have people out there who see it as an impediment to their yeah. freedom and and that they well, I mean, you know, access to guns is never a good thing, well, but um, yeah. If you have a country where they're indoctrinated, indoctrinated in such a messed up way in, in the fact that they pledge allegiance to the flag, that they, you know, sit behind a constitution that is as old as anything and outdated and irrelevant, it's going to create this kind of like, you know, um, hive mind state of people where they, mm. you know, continually spit these type of rhetoric that Donald Trump supporters do spit the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, freedom. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think you're right. And this touches on the point that we were saying before is like people are a victim of that. And look, you know, I'm not going to say people who go out there and protest and, and, and you know, would shoot someone. Obviously, yeah. they've got to pay for what their actions. But I, what I'm trying to get at is that um, they are being fed through this hive mind perspective and mm. that, um, that has been underpinned for so long. Um, yeah. You know, capitalism has just been around and really flourished in the last um you know, 20 years, I, I say, and, and it hasn't been beneficial, but people haven't, have been sold a narrative that, that um, mm. has benefited the few and, um, you know, uh, not benefited uh, the, yeah, the no, majority of us. And as communicators, yeah, we, we need, I think we need to reshape the narrative. So that's why I think the film did well is that we do need to have a hard look at ourselves and, and understand that there needs to be a narrative shift here. And we need to make those people, um, understand well you know the majority of people who do believe in climate change all of this they are those are the people we're targeting i don't know whether we can always get through to these fundamentalists um yeah but the, yeah. But the thing is they're a minority so <laughs> what did you think i think i want to get to the to the next point here is um on biomass and i kind of took away and i thought the the biomass segments um of the film were really good like they were i think that they were correct in terms of the fact that we can't rely on biomass being a major driver of renewable energy you know as the simple point is we can't continue to cut down trees and deforest the planet um i know there's a lot i've seen a lot of climate science talk talk a lot more about um uh regrowth uh, and forests and stuff like that and i to be honest haven't looked into a lot of that so i, I you know i understand that that my perspective here might be um you know dwarfed by someone who knows a bit more in this but i do think that when they represented the film uh when they were talking about germany in the film and they were you know germany's is, is seen around the world as a powerhouse of renewables and they were saying that well actually germany only gets about 36 percent or so like that's roughly in the ball mark from my memory of its energy um from renewables and of that uh percentage biomass um they were they were trying to make out the biomass was a big um a big contributor to that 36 percent, but in reality it's actually only 1.4 percent and um, I had a look at the US and, and actually only 4% of renewable energy um, in America uh, actually comes from biomass. So I think that was a bit of misrepresentation of what of how much 
um, biomass is really contributing. But I thought in the general sense, I hadn't even realized uh, biomass as, as a renewable technology, uh, as a renewable source. And and I didn't even really realize that. It's probably naive, but I just felt like that was a really good critique on it. What what did you feel about the biomass? Yeah, well, when segment? you hear about deforestation, you kind of think it's being all chopped up to go to a new lot for a, probably like in our terms in Australia for another coal mine. Well, you know, like, like you said there, um, you, you didn't really, un- well, I didn't really understand um, how much biomass actually contributed. What would have been interesting to see when they made that comparison if they actually compared the Scandinavian countries, because I know um, Scandinavia's got a really big push in um, renewable energy. Yeah, no, everything you just said there. Did you, f- did you feel as though... I mean, I think that's a great point to bring up the Scandinavian countries. I Do you feel as though that was that was even um, misleading to just... Well, I get why they brought out Germany and all that because Germany is, you know, is touted as, as a big player here. But do you think it was a bit misguided to not bring up other countries that have a different approach to renewables? Yeah, definitely. Like to bring it into... And I think for the context of the time, I think the f- whole filming took place by what I saw of the convention back in 2014. So this is, I think this has been long in production. Now, I know Germany have been for years been making the transition over to renewable energies. And I think they kind of caught them in the time where they were making those transitions where they could have, you know, probably brought out a good point. It could have been probably anyone other than, um, it could have been anyone um, that was making that transition as long as they got that point across. And it, it's kind of weird how they kind of, you know, throw Germany under the bus to kind of, show the comparison to america saying you know it's not really that bad is it you know yeah that that's that's a great point um i think the the other thing um that i took away was uh that was good from the film was that the nature of us thinking um that just building renewable energy um and transitioning away from fossil fuels solely um to maintain our current lifestyles and consumption habits it does. I, I do think um, it does miss a lot of what the environmental uh, movement and the is well the new environmental movement is trying to do. Um, and the film did try uh, did try to send that message. Um, you know, I believe that it has to be more about how it has to be about how we live, what we eat, the energy we produce, um, and how we treat each other. They all inter interconnect here. Yeah. Um, so I definitely thought that it wasn't enough to focus solely on renewables to save the planet. Um, yep. and, and that's what, I mean, they didn't mention the, the Green New Deal, um, I guess, campaign uh, portions that the US, that, that um, AOC and Bernie ran on and even in Australia, the Greens are running on. I think they do a lot to address these intersectional issues, um, but they didn't mention them at all. I, I guess that's what I, I thought that was good, uh, a good point to make. What did you feel about that, um, James? Before I touch on that, I think it's in good Michael Moore fashion, um, like you said, to leave all the good things out, where basically it, paints one people as the target and that's who they're going to keep attacking throughout the whole documentary which are these green groups and the um billionaire lobby uh, and um you know these titans of industry um like you said they didn't want to cover any of that um no what you brought up there was a yeah great yeah i i thought that you know we should remember some of these points is that if it's if this effort is just to continue the same excessive i guess lifestyles and you know for a lot of us in in, in majority like the inequality has risen so there's a lot of people if not um a majority depending on what country you live of people who aren't actually having excessive lifestyles but there are i think a lot of uh lessons out of that is in terms of like um you know our sustainable choices that we have to make and how we look at um, ourselves, and I think again, getting back to the point of like saying we're not blaming um, us as, as citizens, but companies are going to have to play a big role in how they um, go about changing 
the, the products that we buy and how we do that. I mean, um, we do have to recognise, I think, our own value in terms of do we really need to to get this many things, but I think it's got to be about more than that. But from a, from a young age, you know, we're consistently reminded to consume, you know. We've been kind of, you know, uh, what's the word I want to... To buy. Yeah, not, not to buy, but to consistently being reminded that this is what we are. You know, we consume, we consume, we consume there's really it's going to be really hard to change that perspective now um because we are at the time where we are consuming the most we've ever got uh we have ever done and that's mm. probably two or three times over we've consumed uh yeah i think that that's a that's a great point um and we are at a point of where we have never you know we've never consumed so much um in history as as of now so yeah, there's, well, I mean, you know, the, the fact that like only 9% of plastics uh, worldwide are really recycled. I mean, um, people often think that, you know, using the recycling bin um, is a great thing. And for, for a lot of parts, some things are are, are going well with that. But, yeah. uh, you know, plastic, there's, there's a big role there. And, and I guess I kind of take away from those types of things is like, how can you as an individual really um, impact those types of things? Like, I mean, we can do our keep cups and stuff like that, but really, um, we need to reform the industry of which um, produces um, plastics, and that that gets to the under underpinning of, of profit and what we're um, you know we need to get away. I think that's what the movie was kind of saying is like this capitalism and this and the, the economic system of capitalism and its chase uh, of profit is really um, it doesn't co- it can't coexist with the survivability of the planet. And no, no, yeah, and, and yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, do you want to touch on anything else, I guess, just to sum up anything else that we think that was good to take away from this film? I think we've, we've covered all the points um, without revealing too much more about it. I think we've covered I think we've mm. really spoiled it for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we have. Um, yeah. yeah, I definitely recommend going watching it uh, to watch it. I think mm. the only things we can take away is basically how can we um how can we reflect upon this film and you know make it relevant to australia i think it's probably the next thing yeah do. and that that's a great point and I actually i just thought the one thing i probably want to mention here is that i after watching the film i i got the sense that obviously this is going to be spun by right-wing um groups here and and real big climate deniers and i but i felt the film actually didn't negate. It didn't. It did not negate the effort to um, and the need to transition from fossil fuels. I think a lot of people uh, that yeah. I saw even on Twitter had had said that it was like basically saying that it's not worth it. And I think I definitely. I think they definitely could have inferred that, but I didn't get that. I didn't take that away. I thought that they acknowledged the need to get away from fossil fuels, but they but they were more saying they didn't. They don't think that the solutions that have been presented so far are the the you know the whole. Um, representations of what we should chase i so i don't think it negates the effort what do you think no no i definitely saw where it came from that like kind of bleak standpoint like you know where he kind of he introduces himself as this big climate active uh you know uh activist and then he kind of tells his own story where he's like you know slowly coming to terms like oh my god shit this isn't working um so i think when people like you said climate designs and these right-wing lobbyists start watching it they kind of go oh well this film's not too bad. I kind of like it because yeah. it's just pushing the point I'm trying to get across. Um, but yeah, like you said, um, what you were actually uh, able to take away from it was probably a lot more than the bigger picture than a lot of other people were seeing. Um, mm. And I can definitely uh, see where it come to that point as well. Mm. And that's, I think, yeah, that's why we want to share that kind of perspective just so people, if you didn't know, and I, you know, mm. there was a vacuum of, of what, you know, 
I thought. So I can imagine if people do watch this, what they would be thinking. So I just thought it was important to share that. So I guess let's move on to what wasn't good to take away. Um, I probably could have worded that much better, but um, you know, what <laughs> what was negative? What we what we think that probably um, you know wasn't the best uh, re- represented in the film, um, or what we should disregard. So I'll start with uh, the argument of saying that because the production of renewables involves fossil fuels, we shouldn't be transitioning to one hundred percent renewable energy due to the costs of uh, the transition on the planet. Do you do you want me to jump in here, James, first? Um, or yeah, did yeah. you have anything I'll, straight off the top? I'll, I'll jump in. When okay. Well, I initially thought with this argument, um, and it was, you know, it was, it was, I'm glad it was brought up because obviously we need to tackle that. I don't think we should hide from it. But I think what I was, I was scanning Twitter for a lot of um, what climate, you know, a lot of climate scientists such as Michael Mann and people like that, what they were saying about the film. Um, and they were coming out saying that it really wasn't correct um, and that there were, there, and I noticed too, you probably did too, James, that there was no scientific papers presented throughout the movie. It was very much a societal take. Yeah. Um, and from my, uh, from my research, um, I actually found there's a, a concept called grey energy or energy recovery time. Um, and I saw someone say, uh, say this following comment that wind and solar produce more energy during their lifetime um, than is used uh, for the production, transportation and installation. And since the energy production, production, uh, sorry, production mm-hmm. becomes more green over time, the emissions during production become smaller every year. So, I mean, to me, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and that, you know, to the added benefit of that, you know, these technologies are, are improving year on year, just like, um, you know, iPhones improve year on year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and the film didn't even mention hydropower, which has an efficiency of 90% um, from what I could find. So I, I think there's a lot to be said there about their misrepresentation of, you know, the, the, the I, I just, I got left with the question of like, they didn't even touch on the cost benefit analysis. They just basically said there's so much mining and, and uh, use of fossil fuels that it just isn't worth it when they didn't actually present what the cost slash benefits ratio was. And that was for yeah. me, I just was like, why would you not, you know, put that in? What, what did you think, James? Well, yeah, like I said earlier, you just got to remember what type of documentary it is. It's a Michael Moore documentary. You know, it's more to, you know, provocative thought than anything. But yeah, um, from my understanding, America has one of the largest um, amounts of hydro dams in the world, I'm pretty sure. But Well, I just, yeah, I think, well, let's see, I didn't know that. So that that's very interesting. And yeah. I think that was there. And, and as you were touching on before, the film starts out by talking about solar having an efficiency rating of 8% which just isn't true. Like that's back in 2009. Yeah. Um, and the average solar panel now is at 15 to 20%, um, which I think is very bad faith that the film released it in 2020 and used 2009 information to represent solar in a way that is not going to be um, the intermittency uh, issues are just not going to be enough to like, it's, it's still improving even, even then. So I thought that was really interesting that they just, they chose to, to push ahead and release that. And I, that was a big problem for me. And uh, I wonder, um, you know, I, I should look this up. I was a little bit curious, but um, the uh, Mars Rover, when they're talking about that and the solar panels on that, I wonder actually how much power it actually emits through there. Um, mm. They said, you know, of course we can't afford the same technology as NASA. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Well, just to, sorry, just to give context to people listening, they mentioned yeah, in the film sorry. that a Mars um, Rover um, that they, they, they were in a solar uh, panel uh, field of, of, of heaps of hundreds of panels and, and the guy brought up that 
you know, the efficiency was 8%. And he said, but, you know, that's because we don't have the money to produce what NASA uses on their solar, uh, on their rovers, which is at like, I forget the percentage, but it was a much higher efficiency percentage and they just cost so much money to produce. Was that? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, and just another quick thought slipped in. Do you mm. believe that, you know, these industries that are tackling um, green energy, do you think they're kind of doing such a, a like a kind of a, a shocky job to kind of sell the idea that this isn't working and this isn't actually the, you know, most sustainable route to go down. Like, do you think, do, do I think that um, the environment kind of like uh, the self-sabotaging? Yeah, I do think that in a way, because the way that they had the guy doing the tour of the solar farm, you know, that comes from this, you know, big energy company that has relied on fossil fuels for so long when they actually try to ask him, you know, um, kind of questions of uh, alternatives. Um, he kind of just wants to shoot them down at any minute. He's like, you know, well, it's just not going to work. Like you can see the amount of um, effort we've put into this um, solar farm here and it's only going to fit, uh, you know, it's only going to um, power 50 houses. Like he's like, kind of like, what's the point? Do you think that these major um, times of industry are trying to sell the idea that this is shit, it's not working. Let's just go back to killing the planet. Yeah, I think that there's probably an element to that. I think that, well, you know, I guess prefacing it with that interview was probably from 2009. And I think that yeah. the, the world and people were at a different place uh, dramatically since then. And we, um, we have seen so many more um, science and like adverse impacts of the climate come out since then. So I think people have like, uh, I guess, felt that sense of urgency. But yeah, yeah, I think that there could be an element to that, that, that these, um, you know, the, the industry titans are, you know, funneling their money into the green movement and then, you know, maybe it's an effort to to try to discredit it at the same time as they're, they're you know, they're having, they have the amount of money to play with. I think there, there could be an element to that. Um, it's a good, it's a good uh, question, I guess. And it's good to, I think it's good to be sceptical of that um, for sure. Without going down, you know, the conspiracy theory part. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's a good point. I don't think that's really conspiracy. I think, no. that, you know, there's an incentive for them to do that currently. So you could oh, actually yeah. make that argument. Um, but obviously we, we don't know that, but it's a good question, I guess. Uh, well, just capping off that. Yeah. I think, um, you know, that was a big, uh, thing that people should probably disregard that, um, you know, and just remember, I think, well, what I think people should remember is that renewable energy, um, is, is improving year on year. And, um, you know, just as like the first IBM computers filled up a room, now we've got laptops and computers that are like, you know, so thin. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just, I mean, keeping that in mind, I, I don't know how much that stands up. And, and obviously this whole fossil fuel use in the production of that, I think that, that there's a lot of people coming out um, saying that that is really not uh, an argument that's worth um, doing because a lot of these climate scientists and people who have looked into renewable energy have done the, the, have done the sums. And I even saw one chart that obviously I can't show you um, if you're listening, but it showed that the impact of the, the lifetime impact that coal and all of these dirty fuels have yep. and their impacts much, much higher over their lifetime than the impact um, in the production of renewable energy. So there's always got to be that um, comparison made and that wasn't made in the films so that I thought was very misleading. Let's move on to the uh, argument of overpopulation. <laughs> um, mm. I, I saw that um, uh, an individual, uh, and I actually forget where this was from, but I just thought it was good um, kind of 
uh, thing to bring up. And he was saying that um, consumption levels absolutely need to go down, but making it a question of overpopulation gets into eco-fascist territory really quick. And often without even trying, the earth could probably comfortably support another 2 billion of us, but it can't support more billionaires and capitalists. Individual human beings are not causing this problem. Um, Even the ones driving gas guzzlers um, and having a relatively low impact compared to say Amazon Um, and a smaller uh, number of individuals would not fix this problem now. It's about how we exploit the resources and overload of systems and that's disproportionately the fault of like a specific hundred of us. Um, It isn't right to lay the burden on the other 8 billion, most of whom, um, you know, didn't have any play in causing any of this. And I thought that was a really point. Yeah, no, um, I think basically that whole um, quote there um, has basically touched on what we're saying earlier Mm. about the whole issue of capitalists, more billionaires and the bourgeoisie. Yeah, and I like you, um, you were talking to me earlier about how you felt about the eco-fascist statement and and how that you know probably isn't helpful do you want to share more about your thoughts on you know that that kind of um term and and how that has a play in this movie well i think when i was watching basically the whole documentary um you know when we're talking about the good like you know i feel like we're getting really close to actually talking about the problem and then it just goes down this whole eco-fascist route which um, is basically not going to solve any problem other than just creating an argument and going in circles. Nothing really to add on top of that. But yeah, no, no, I think that covered it pretty perfectly. Yeah, and I think, um, uh, look, you know, I think we both, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jones, but, you know, we, we both obviously support um, the, center, uh, the sentiment that, you know, we can't all be blamed for this and, and, and the, the statement that, you know, ex- excessive consumption um, ha- is, is, a, is a big issue here and we need to um, look yeah. at how we address that. Well, we, we, um, we can't be blamed for it, but, you know, there is a, a point where we can actually start to take responsibility. Yeah, and that's the actually the next point I kind of want to bring up, okay, and around the the individual, uh, you know, the individuals coming around the earth being able to support another two billion. Um, I've seen that um, that opinion, and I've seen um, there's some evidence out there to actually support that statement, okay. um, but. <laughs> there's actually a lot more in play in, in terms of saying that we could support another $2 billion that goes further than um, renewables. Um, and, it re- it, and, and what I've seen, it, it would require big changes, especially in the way we consume food and what we eat. Um, so from what the evidence to, to um, support that $2 billion or more claim for me was um, that I've seen is for people would really need to reduce their, their um, red meat consumption um, and dairy. And I actually reached out to a guy that I follow who does a podcast called, it's called uh, plant proof uh, podcast and his yeah. name's simon hill um and i asked him for his thoughts on this film and he uh said really uh he said it you know much better than i could say it um and he said that there's no doubt uh the way we eat significantly affects ghg emissions biodiversity water say uh, uh scarcity ocean acidification eutrophication and you know many more things along with that um, so he was he was saying that you know um, just focusing on one industry is not holistic a uh, holistic enough. We need to change the way we live entirely, how we create energy and what we eat. What do you think about that, James? I think you're trying to you know bring in your vegan agenda into this, are you? <laughs> yeah, you know you've got to bring it up whenever you can. I know I had a little smile when you said less red meat and dairy. Um, yeah, no, I think you said it well. Um, how we create energy and what we eat. In in terms to basically going into the uh, are we seeing that we need to go into the plant-based diet because are these industries what, what are they um exactly doing to the environment that is affecting us so much well you know in large part the um 
the massive, um, I guess, Sorry, raising. The, just on to, because I asked that question because I actually mm. just generally don't know. Is there actual um, a climate effect to how we are um, the treatment of these animals and how we are consuming them, or are we just coming from an ethical standpoint of why we shouldn't be eating meat? Well, see, this is the thing about. Um, yep. A plant-based diet is like it has a numerous amount of research on all angles that from the ethical perspective obviously yep. which is a lot harder and I, I i understand that you know a lot of people can see that and, and i sometimes struggle myself uh mm. but there's a lot of research in terms of the environmental and um, okay. environmental impacts and health impacts and i guess well, in yeah. the environmental um impacts just to touch on quickly is that like you know the the mass production of um of animal sources of food um you know is contributing to a lot uh, of, of obviously ghg emissions um and the way we raise cattle um and i guess we're raising um uh animals at a rate that, that just never occurred in human history um to keep up with the demand for this type of um consumption habit by people and that is having destructive impacts especially on water uh, water scarcity and the pollution of water and that's yep. going to become a big problem in the future in terms of we obviously need water to live and if if it's being used uh to feed um animals at a at a, at a rate that is just um because everyone's obviously uh wanting to eat uh, animal products is going to be a big problem and they've done research into the the impacts of like um you know soy pea uh, lentils with peas and all of those things and how much water they take and it's obviously considerably less so i think the argument i've seen in the research supporting is that um to support another two billion of us we are definitely going to need to head more towards a plant-based diet and less um we're going to have to really rethink the way we um uh, share our agricultural land um, for the for the purposes of of um, you know ve vegetables and and things that are um, you know I guess less impacting on the environment. Oh, that yeah, you know that's that's interesting because like when I because I you know I tried vegan for four months and I was pretty successful. Mm. I'm pretty sure as you witnessed. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. When I when I went down that whole um, route to a, I always looked at kind of basically the information that was just on health like i never really wanted to look into the ethical side of why to go vegan because i just always thought you know those documentaries like is it what planet animal i don't know what the ones are the ones that kind of show you the real grim way how yeah, they butcher these yeah. I, I never really wanted to watch those documentaries and you know those documentaries always t uh, touched on basically the ethical habits of eating meat and then plus the um environmental side of it all so i've never really kind of dwelled into that research in regards to that so that's very interesting to mm. and what i would say is and you brought up a great point um and it's really hard obviously for me to cover because i um you know i believe in it myself but you know I've, yeah. I've i've come to it by seeing a lot of scientific evidence and i can't you know obviously recall it right now but there is evidence out there and and especially the environmental side isn't covered as much as the health and ethics i don't yeah. think um so i think if you're interested in that there's definitely and plant go to the plant proof podcast i mean he's great he is someone who will definitely um convince uh will not convinced but he'll show you some evidence um in a way that's uh non-judgmental and obviously i have no real uh I, I don't mind um how people feel about their own diet i'm not going to um force people to do anything but i think yeah. acknowledging the evidence out there who people who do study this all the time who say that this would need to occur uh we definitely need to acknowledge that and really i guess start to address that could be i guess an individual way you could make an impact but obviously the industry is going to need to be regulated um in the future if we really want to tackle these issues so yeah, no. Well, I'd, I'd always like to, you know, um, represent that. I think when I went vegan, everyone's like, why did you go vegan? And I said, I watched uh, Game Changers and they all just gave me a bit of a, copped me a little bit of flack because I think that's the basic way of going vegan, isn't it? 
Yeah. Well, well game yeah. changes because you want to be like a UFC fighter or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah, you're right. It was a, it was one of the the first uh, films that went viral, I think. So yeah, it's become a um, stereotypical. Uh, it was very powerful. You know, it was powerful. I think it had a def- definite play. I think a lot of people have criticised it, and that's fine because it's a challenge to. It's like like it's hard to accept um, that capitalism has underpinned. Um, and, and destroyed the planet that's hard to really look at it's a big issue it's the same when you're trying to tackle your whole lifestyle and how you've thought about the way you live your life so i um yeah. I, I i can't tell anybody how to, to, how to <coughs> do that it's a hard thing to do but i think it's well worth looking into because i guess just as i'm trying to entertain thoughts of of saying you know are the, you know are things that i believe in in completely and wholly true i think people owe it to themselves to um, investigate these other things because I think um, the onus isn't on on me to well on people to go more further right because I think that's what's been um, represented in a mainstream way so I think it's it's everyone should really look into the other side um, which you know hasn't been represented um, as much yeah no definitely awesome so I guess we've talked a while about that we've talked about what we don't think was good to take away we've talked about what we think was good um so let's just I, I think your idea to bring this back to Australia was really really good well, um yeah. do, do you want to talk you want to start this off and just kind of talk about your idea behind what what Australia you know has a role in this and what the impact and what we can do well I think where we've got to start off is um you know Australia and you know a lot of um what the Greens movements here plus the political party as well have been doing well is basically we've been trying to attack and address the question of um, coal and fracking coal. I think in somewhat way we have been successful, even though we do still um, see places like Adani still opening up here in northern Queensland. Basically, what we can take away um, to bring it back to Australia is I'm not too sure on the actual um, data or statistics or anything like this, but the way do we do we have many wind farms? I know we got a couple in Western Australia. What about other states or what is our renewable energy? Well, yeah, it's great to bring up and I probably should have, um, you know, looked into this more, um, you know, have we, we kind of just decided to bring this topic in at the end here yeah, at the start yeah, today, but no. um, I know this ACT... Yeah, kind of like a discussion. Well, We're just going to wing. Yeah, let's just have a have a have a discussion about it. And, you know, um, we can we can put, provide further information in another episode yeah. for people who are interested in the specifics. But um, yeah, ACT is definitely a big state in Australia that's gone. Um, while they claim 100% renewable, um, you know, it's the same thing with the grid. But it, it, again, it's transitioning to that um, away it's, from. Well, Canberra's meant to be like that as well, isn't it? Yeah, oh, Canberra's. Sorry. God, Jesus Christ, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, it's okay. God. We all forget that Canberra's yeah. in the ACT. You know, still waking we, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Australian capital. It is the Australian capital. It is not Sydney, oh as many believe. Oh my god! Yeah. Um. Yeah. So ACT, in a large part, is um a big contributor, uh, as you said, Western Australia. But um, other than that, I I know there was actually I think the Queensland uh, Queensland state government approved some plans to build a big solar array out in Wondowan. Um, which would provide jobs out in that region. But Australia is, um, I guess this could be a thing to bring in here, we're the third largest exporter of coal in the world. So I think, I don't know if you want to, um, I don't know if you had this thought, James, but I, I thought, well, since, you know, we are the third largest exporter and, you know, I think the point gets made a hundred times in Australia that, well, we're not a big nation, we don't contribute a lot to emissions, but the thing is we export, we're the third largest exporter of coal. If we make the political decision to switch to a renewable energy source, that will really make a massive impact on the world and, and its fate to define their need to shift towards another source of energy. And I think in turn, 
we can actually we can actually be a big player in supplying and exporting um, that uh, renewable and new source of energy. You know, that's kind of a thought that came to mind for me. Yeah, it's it's a bit hard when when we have these um you know this massive coal industry that is both supported by um, the Liberal and um, Labor Party. It makes it a bit hard for our voice to be heard. Um, I noticed that when I was actually doing some work for the Greens. You know, you can definitely like in, like you said. In contrast to countries like America, um, our population, the amount of actual workforce we have in these industries is a large amount and um, their voice is actually heard a lot more than our voice, I'd say, um, in regards to how it affects the amount of jobs that we got going into those type of industries and stuff like that. Like, I went to university with a girl and we're talking about her father is actually, he works for, he's one of the directors in one of the big coal plants up in... um, Northern Queensland and she said I can see the points from both sides but you, you actually can really see how it affects communities once these jobs start to go and we saw that in Western Australia in the um, late to, uh, late 2000s with um, the mining boom and then once it's gone and that's also you know like I was saying earlier it's also represented in the documentary when in the 1980s in the Nevada desert where they had the um, uh, solar farms upset up and they had the big solar boom there and all these jobs were coming in construction and workers there and then basically the lifetime of these solar farms about 10 years without proper maintenance and they're all gone and there was no no work in the town and the um local economy went down so kind of losing track where i was trying to say Hmm. no i think if i can just jump in like you are spot on with the workers in in terms of they do have a big say and, and importantly so because there is a lot of um, there is a high proportion of workers in mm. these industries and, and they should not be blamed. What do you think in your um, thinking is the solution um, for these like things when we talk about transitioning? What, what do you think in terms of how do we look after? Um, well, I mean, um, yeah, how do we look after workers in these industries when we do transition away? What, what are your thoughts? What we've all been told, I'm pretty sure what you've been told, is once we do make this transition, the the same amount of workload that have been offered to basically these um, industries that um, contribute to the emission level, that there will still be work in um, renewable energies. Um, If anything, it's meant meant to create more jobs, um, jobs and growth. (laughs) Um, uh, But that's what we've been told. And I think... If we actually had to look, if we had to look at the data and statistics, what we can see in other countries, which we haven't done, we're just freewheeling this. It'd be interesting to see how they made that transition over. Um, when I did my research for the Greens Party, it, it was kind of just, you know, taken as word. You know, you know, it's meant to make seven hundred fifty thousand jobs in Australia worldwide, uh, nationwide. Whether this, whether that's true, you know, whenever if we're ever going to know, but um, that's just the figures we've been given. Um, whether that works or not would be interesting. Mm, and that's true. I think that's true for both sides. We're always quoted figures of you know thousands yeah. of jobs. And you're right. It's not just the it's not just the coal. Uh, you know the new coal mines that where they say that's jobs. It's also the environmentalist movement who say that it'll create so many jobs. We do need it to be. Uh, well evidenced and I think we were talking about this before um, and a lot of reasons why you know even um, in the film actually they they had a point where there was a um, they went to a town where they actually did switch a lot to renewables but um, their jobs actually got lost after Mm. the original uh, the initial setup but I think what this leads into is a discussion of like the government's role in guaranteeing this and I think when we let industry and this is what the film got right in a big way is if we let yeah. industry determine the future and the transition again it'll be the same impacts in the same conclusions that we come to I think the government has to have a role here in a federal level to uh, at a federal level but a localized yeah. response like so that it feeds money into the local areas to um, 
fuel this transition because that's a way to, to to guarantee these support to workers because if it's funded by the government that you know publicly everyone um has has a has a role there so i um i, I agree with you with the workers and they have to be valued they can't they can't be let uh, go by the wayside and i think um you know, it, I, I don't understand why why um, you know the the movement gets trashed a lot because I see you know you watch Q and A and everything and you know they'll say yeah but if we transition what about all these jobs the thing is like I don't know why that gets more airplay than um, when we what the comeback to what the other side to this debate is that saying that we're not going to we're not going we're going to care for the workers who lose their jobs we're going to retrain them and they are going to transition I don't know why that doesn't get more of a play it's like. I um, I respect that. Obviously, we need to look after workers in these industries, but we actually do have a solution for that. But that really doesn't get as much um, attention and um, you know headlines as the loss of of jobs by closing mines. I don't understand mm. that. Uh, well, you know, it's obviously media is owned by people who benefit from from coal and all that. But past yeah. that point, to the to the general public, you know, what what are your thoughts on that? It's no, like you said, it's it's. Um... It's a tricky one there. Um, talk about just even going back onto what you're saying earlier before, how we need a federal government to take the initiative here. It's very hard when you have like major like um, companies like um, Adani that have created these deals that you know bring a lot of um, money into the economy and employ a lot of local jobs. But you see these deals, and it's basically it's kind of what is written into these um, deals here is that they can take as I think one of the examples I was reading that on the Murray-Darling River, where they can start extracting the water. Basically, this water runs, you know, ages across for Australia, well, miles across into Australia, um, all the way down south, and it basically has 33% of our agriculture running on it. They're allowed to drain it. They're allowed to drain it and not pay a cent for 60 years. And I just don't think that makes any sense. It doesn't. And that, that headline, a lot of people probably aren't aware of. Yeah, I really do. Um, and I think it's what they're fearful of is that the if, if we did make this transition and take the initiative, how much money we'd be losing out of these um you know foreign companies coming in and extracting the coal. And that's Simple, and, it, that it, and like it's that. yeah no that that's great to bring up and I think um you know it, it's not something I think it, it has to be addressed. I think people are right to question that, but I think. Um, a lot of people stop it there and they question it and then they justify it and they're like, well, it's just not going to work. Whereas like we owe it, we owe it because we know the need that the urgent need we need to transitionize. So we really owe it to listen for solutions and they have the cost benefit analysis has analyses have been done. And, you know, the cost of inaction is one thing in itself, but mm -hmm. the the cost of actually transitioning can definitely be fully funded. And, and it's been evidenced by plenty of people who are in, in you know, the field of economy, uh, who are economists and who are um, actually writing uh, these policy uh, frameworks from the opposite side of what, what we've been told. Yep. I think another thing here is just to bring in, I know we're getting on with time here. We probably need to wrap it up soon, but um, <laughs> I just want to, I just want to add to like the fact that um, whether you believe in, you know, climate change or not, um, the serious point is here is that Australia's actual coal plants are aging. They're actually on the brink of collapsing. Um, and that's just a fact. That's not something that's um, really, you can have an opinion on. It's just, they are aging and, and they are at a real risk of actually failing. So whether you think that we need to, transition to 100% renewables or not, that's a point we really, whether you're skeptic or not, we need to acknowledge and we need to actually realize that there is actually gonna be a massive need to shift away from um, these aging coal plants in the future. And that's gonna be a, um, you know, it should be used um, to, as an argument to transition away from those, but, um, you know, we've got to make that happen through Look, that. 
is this where we see in Australia what like similar to what was in the documentary where they kind of make this step forward, you know, promising the initiative to go further green, but in reality they're just you know kind of extending their plants and operation double the amount. You know, mm. is this where we see that happen, or is this where we go? You know, we get the inaction of actual, you know, um, transferring to this new system. Great point. I think you're, you you've hit it hit the nail on the head. It has to come from a a movement that does not seek to profit, that does not seek to, um, you know, invest in things for the sake of their own benefit. It's got to come from, and that, in my opinion, has to come yeah. from a movement of. Uh, people who don't benefit and, and has come from a government that is yeah. publicly, we publicly fund this and we give um, the resources and the the jobs to people who are obviously disproportionately affected if they're in um, those <laughs> jobs currently, but also to um, minority communities um, yeah. and um, the Aboriginal Torres Strait Island, Islander people who have been um, impacted by uh, these coal plants uh, disproportionately as well yeah. to, the, to the general population. It's, so. it's interesting you, you brought that up because I've, I've got, you know, three fingers up at the moment um, and a closing. It's going to put the Liberal Party down. We're going to put the Labor Party down. We've got one party remaining. It's the Greens Party. And everything yep. you brought up there just covers all those bases. And, you know, I um, I don't want to tell, I think you're right, I don't want to tell people who to vote for, but I think the, we've mentioned considerations that you need to make. Mm. And if you acknowledge um, the thing I really think uh, that hasn't been made here is if you acknowledge the need to transition of, to, to renewable energy, voting for the Liberal Party and the Labor Party who take money from these industries does not um, match up to your belief. It doesn't. It's just a fact. It doesn't match up to their belief, to your belief, yep. not just on the fact that they take money, but their goals aren't actually to transition to that 100% renewable um, energy target. It's not based in science. So that, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I, I personally uh, align with a lot of what the Greens say and, and, and probably independence yep. too. Obviously, I'm not saying that there's not problems with the Greens Party. There's plenty, of course, but but the goal here is to align what you believe, um, and if you believe that in in terms of with what you vote. And as we've said, it has to. You have to realise that there has to be a federally instituted program here, and it has to be done from a way that that benefits everybody, and and that has to come from voting. And that's the single most important thing I think people can do to be able to transition towards this. And that's what the companies don't want us to know. That's what they don't want us to know. It's it's interesting when you kind of touch on the points, you know, some of the um, policies the Greens kind of um, put out, you're like, oh, that's a bit far-fetched or that's a bit far from reality. In regards to their actual whole policies on social welfare, they've been consistently told, no, no, this can never be done. Here we are in COVID-19 where these policies, like the, the numbers, the amount of payments they wanted to reach are now happening. Now, it, it, not to the extent of how much actually intake we are, you know, coming to people, coming into unemployment, but the amount of people we wanted to support it before this event and then what we can support after this crisis actually, in reality, can realistically be met. But we've been consistently told, no, no, this is, you know, far-fetched, this is unrealistic. So it's, that, that, I thought that was quite interesting to see. Yep. Thank you for bringing that up. I think that's um, really good comparison and a really good example for people to keep in mind here is that all of these radical policies have yeah. now been deemed not, not so radical, have they? And they've been brought in by the, the people who are, you know, absolutely um, constitutionally opposed to yeah. those things. So, um, yeah, I think we should probably wrap it up. I think we've probably no, talked for ages. Um, no, I don't we, know how long we've been talking for. Uh, I don't know either. I hope that it, this has been valuable for people. I've found it personally valuable, even just being able to talk about the different yeah, things. Awesome. And 
I hope people don't um, – felt like it was an open discussion because, you know, I think um, we have a lot of questions from this and it's normal to ask a lot of questions. So we obviously respect wherever you're at um, on that scale of things and, um, you know, hopefully you can ask some of the same questions because all of your questions are valid. You know, you've, we've got to ask them just because I believe something doesn't mean you can't ask questions of that and, um, you know, always open – um, to that perspective or, you know, try to embody that. Um, is there anything you want to close the show out with, no, James? No. Um, other than, you know, go watch the uh, documentary, insert title here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, Planet of the Humans. Planet of the Humans. It's free on YouTube on Michael Moore's channel. Um, give it a watch and then, you know, you can probably uh, critique our um, our own analysis of it if you want or um, you might find that we, uh, we might have got some things right. So I hope yeah. this has been useful. Um, we will see you again uh, next week with a another topic. Thank you for uh, making it here. How to people.